Global Irish with Mick Smith, an Irish business and finance podcast. Is the customer customer, always right? No, the customer is nearly always wrong. We'll either hit the jackpot or we'll go down in flames. Here you go, boss. Another one done. And then we discuss big business. Hello, folks, and a happy new year to you all. You're very welcome to the fifth installment of the Double Irish podcast. In this week's episode, I ventured out to Dogpatch Labs in the CHQ building in Dublin. Here I spoke with Hades Inama, who is CEO and founder of Irish startup WeSavvy. WeSavvy gamifies lifestyle data from apps, wearables and social media to provide more insightful and meaningful data for insurance providers. Hades kindly talked me through his journey so far. So Jesus, welcome to the show and thanks a million for having us and welcome us into Dogpatch Labs here today. Uh, thanks Michael for having us and you know your podcast, <laughs> uh, we're very excited. Perfect. I suppose first of all for our listeners at home, uh, can you explain sort of what we savvy do and what their value proposition is? Sure. Uh, we savvy is a platform that gathers data from wearables like Fitbit, Garmin and mobile apps as well like you know the health kits, the Google Fits and every time a user walks, runs the cycles, it rewards them back on their financial services products. So for example, if I take some amount of steps, I get some points on the Wisabi app and I can use that those points to actually reduce the insurance cover, the actual price of my insurance cover itself. So that's what we do in a nutshell. Mainly the problem we're actually addressing is the policyholders cannot personalize their policies to their lifestyle. So if I'm a healthy person, I pay the same price as someone that is unhealthy. So we feel that it's an unfair model and it needs to be addressed. And also insurers would like to cater for this younger policyholder base that is actually they miss it out and also healthier policy base that they miss out on. So we savvy is a middle bridge between the two. Perfect. Right. I suppose uh, what would have been your motivation at the start of kind of you know, go down this route and, and start up WeSavvy. Yeah, Michael, it's an interesting story. I think you, a couple of people could have heard about yeah. the story already. Uh, basically, in 2012, I was overweight. I had very, very, you know, poor in habits. I was drinking a lot. The joke is that I looked a bit like Mike Tyson. <laughs> There's some pictures there on the internet. And then I decided to change my lifestyle when I saw that picture. I said, like, okay, he says, you have to do something about your lifestyle. So I began running, walking, and cycling in 2013, and I became very, very healthy. So the joke is that I transitioned from Mike Tyson to Usain Bolt. <laughs> so a lot of 5Ks that I did as well during that period. But the funny thing that happened was in 2014, when I got my insurance renewal, the actual policy premium went up. So I did all these massive changes in my lifestyle that should affect my risk rating for an insurance provider, and I got penalized for it. So we felt that this didn't make sense at all. So we there was a solution out there already to address this, which is technology. So why don't we bridge the technology and bring that to the insurance uh, space and create a very, very viable solution for insurance companies? And that's what we set ourselves to do, and that's why we're here. <laughs> so I guess then, what sort of would be the key health metrics that someone would look at for um, to improve their insurance premium? Be, like, is there any sort of particular metric that someone could focus in on? Yes, uh, Michael, it's interesting because a lot of people now uh, see that uh, at the start when we started our journey in 2015, um, it was 
other people felt it was an idea, but we felt there was very, very a lot of value in the potential of the product itself because I come from insurance myself. So uh, my background is I'm a chartered insurer, chartered banker. I did my undergrad in Limerick, uh, International Insurance European Studies. So it was a lot based in risk management. So when I looked at the solution, I didn't look at the solution just from the point of view, okay, are we gathering data here and how to pass with the insurer, but how to turn this data into actionable insights for the insurer. So a lot of people knew that our journey started with steps because we have to make this very, very simple for, for the end user to understand. So uh, the end user takes some steps and they get rewarded for it. But what the algorithm does at the back is what really, really brings Recybe to the forefront as a thought leader in this industry of uh, lifestyle insurance. Basically, we got the data initially from steps. We move it, then the user to uh, more complex data sets like sleeping and heart rate. And even on those sleeping and heart rate, how we triangulate it to actually reach a score that we give to the insurer is very, very uh, particular to our database itself. Uh, just to give you in a nutshell, even like uh, what people should be lo looking at, even when they're looking at steps, is not steps. They should be looking at active minutes. So if I do 10,000 steps in a day and I don't get 10, you know, 30 minutes of active minutes, it does not impact my heart rate. And fundamentally, we know that uh, a lot of people know their cars better than they actually know their, their body. So we want to try to get people to understand their body at a deeper level so it can actually affect their policy. So we're leading actually policyholders to understand their heart rate and see how they can actually reduce their heart rate. Um, so that's where we are at the moment, but it's a bit more complex in the back end. So a resting heart rate of, I think, what would maybe around 40 or what would be a sort of bench? Uh, I know it's kind of broad, but... We, we, we created broad categories, yeah. uh, so there's six different uh, categories yeah. on our uh, website. Feel free to check it out, yeah. Michael. So it goes newbie all the way to, to champ. Uh, of course, we champ is when you're near a pro athlete level. Uh, most people fall between newbie and beginners because we tend to be sedentary. Uh, we don't do enough steps uh, these days. We're not doing not active minutes. So our heart rate tends to be uh, not the best as well the way we eat. Uh, but we're trying to get people to closer to the last two categories. So if you're doing anything between pro and champion, you should be very, very good. And that brings me to another question. I suppose uh, startup culture is kind of famous for crazy working hours. Yeah. Do you have any kind of advice or anything you follow to to help your own sort of active activity level or any anything you follow? That's it, Michael. Uh, you know, it's not easy. It's not yeah. easy to do a startup. You have to be a bit uh, touched. <laughs> In a sense, uh, I work in excess of the 12 hours every day. Uh, but with that said, like, you know, I feel that you can always pack, um, you know, activity into your lifestyle. Um, for myself, I find it doing it in the morning uh, before actually I, I come to work or, you know, later in the evening, it works quite well. But it's all about creating a timetable and then stick to that timetable. So even the, when you're in a startup world, all this has to be really, really, uh, you know, compartmentalized. So even uh, cooking the food in advance that you're going to bring to work, you know, setting the schedule, okay, I have this 30 minutes, I'm going to use it for the gym. It's quite, very important when you, but you need a roadmap and that's the key. Create that roadmap, that routine, that regime that you can actually, you know, sit into. Uh, but, you know, with traveling, um, last year was mental. Uh, with, we hit like uh, every month we're in a different country. Uh, promoting we so it was be harder, but it can always jog outside. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I suppose, how has the process been for you guys uh, in terms of attracting sort of policy providers to to the platform? How, how has that been? Uh, it, was, it, was, it was interesting, Jordan, because we are a startup uh, based, you know, based out of Dublin. We founded uh, Dublin Founders. Uh, been 
you know, our story really started in Ireland in Tala, Tala with New Frontiers. Uh, it's a government program, very, very good program for people that want to build their own company. So we started in Ireland and we're promoting the, the actual product in Ireland, but our first success came actually from the US. We got invited to take part of the Global Insurance Accelerator, which is picks the top six startups in the world uh, that innovating within insurance. So we went down to IO Des Moines <laughs> in US and we spent uh, six months there. And we piloted it with a Fortune 500 US company, a life insurance carrier, and that went very, very well. So that was our first actual trial in life environment, per se. And then we did another trial on the back of that with the South African bank. Um, so we did all those two, we said, okay, we have two regions uh, now covered. So we covered America, so, you know, North America. We could have covered the South, but we were like creating the, America as a whole. We covered Africa, and then we said we have to do something within Europe. So we did a pilot with the top, top insurer as well in Portugal. So now we have the three geographical regions. We got offered as well to do pilots in Asia, but you know, it didn't work without a schedule itself. So now by uh, doing the, the three geographical regions, we feel that uh, we understand the market quite well. Uh, the bold pilots are positive in the sense that we actually got very, very good insights, and now we're ready to deploy to the market. Uh, at, straight to the customer, which is very exciting. Well, I suppose you mentioned there Dublin was where it all started. How have you found Dublin as a not only a place to start to start up to just launch a company, but also how has the culture been in terms of startup culture if you were compared to the States or Portugal? That's the thing that, you know, our people that know me, you know, I hammer a lot, an awful lot about this. There's not enough funding in Dublin to you know support great ideas that are actually originating out of Dublin. What I mean is like uh, the government has a great platform that has the new frontiers in place. They have the CSF program and the HPSU program as well in the Prize Island. But the angel investment here to back products at a good level, no, at the abuse level of equity is not there yet. So I think the seed rounds and also series A rounds are not great in Ireland at the moment. Um, but with that said, the government support is actually absolutely amazing and the community within the startups is absolutely amazing. So um, when you compare that to America where the funding is quite high, um, yeah, you know, you have an idea, they give you money and say, okay, go at it 100%, focus on the idea. Uh, whereas uh, in Europe, um, there's a le level of doubt. So even if you have a great idea, you have to prove point to quite a lot. Uh, by the time you prove point to quite a lot, you could actually lose uh, some advantage, market advantage, um, which uh, you know uh, is key when you're a startup. First mover advantage, I, I believe, I'm a key believer, that it could work quite well as an opportunity. Some people feel that, okay, let some others fail, see if there's a market and then jump in. But what we can, what we're doing um, anyway, it worked out for us. We were able to survive and you know go through the time. I suppose a lot of your investment has come from that accelerator program in Iowa, has it, or how is that process? No, actually, uh, funny enough, um, that was a catalyst. Well, there was one of our first US investors was the Global Insurance Accelerator. Uh, so they gave us forty thousand um, uh, dollars in for six percent of equity in the company, and then we came back. The government actually invested in our company, uh, the Two Enterprise Island CSF. Um, and then they followed on with the HPSU. 
and then uh, for the HPSU we got match funding from Poland, some some uh, Polish VC, and also some angel uh, investor in Ireland that backed us for the CSF, also followed up for the HPSU. So our funding now is close uh, under five hundred thousand uh, total. Uh, but we could be going to the market next year again to raise more funds. It depends how the Q1 goes. I suppose when you guys look in terms of monetization, of in the, looking at the value proposition, in terms of monetization, how do you guys kind of plan or are monetizing? Monetize have you? How do you guys plan to kind of get your own work out of the, the idea? Uh, we, we can monetize via policies, yeah. the policy sales and uh, via the platform itself. But that is exciting to a manner, but it's not really what we're about. Um, we service here to really transform how financial products work for the end user and to use data to you know, create that level of transformation. So we plan to first help the users monetize their data. So every time a user walks from the cycles, they should be paid for it. Every time they sleep, uh, they should be paid for it. Uh, funny, yeah. that's what we're working on, Michael. <laughs> You're going to get paid for sleeping. <laughs> Every time they, you know, uh, let's say the heart rate goes up or down, they should get bonuses on all this. So first working very, very actively in helping the users monetize their data and then using that data to create new financial products. Uh, they could be insurance products, they could be uh, savings products, it could be retirement products. But initially, of course, as you know, we started in the health uh, space and protection. Well, mean protection is serious illness, life insurance, those sort of products. Uh, but there's a massive potential for the actual end consumer and then of course for the financial service providers as well. Brilliant. And that's a brilliant idea. Um, I suppose now this time of year everyone is kind of setting their goals for the year. Mm -hmm. I suppose you guys in We Savvy have you guys plan for the future or what what are what are the key kind of deliverables for you guys in twenty eighteen? Yeah, uh, we're very excited about twenty eighteen. Yeah. We just finished the testing on our platform there in Q four. We're very, very it went very, very well. We're building some modules that we can roll out through the year. Most of the modules have actually been built in Q four. So we're very excited about showcasing the industry where we've built. Um, we opened the market in Poland uh, in Q4 as well, so that's a key market for us. So next year will be Poland, UK and Ireland, our main markets, and we'll be launching in Ireland in February. Actually, you can buy a policy in, in, uh, through our partnership we have in place and then apply the gamification of getting your points back or your money back, cash back through the policy itself. Which is quite exciting. So Ireland could see Wisavi live uh, as a users uh, in February. And I think they can download the app at the minute. That's available now. The app. That's, it? A, yeah. that's available yeah. in the App Store, in the Google Play as well. You know, they can go in and play how yeah. the app actually uh, get a feel of the app, how it actually works. They can see all the modules all the way to you know the runs, walks, the cycles, the sleep, the heart rate. But what we're excited about now as well that they can buy an insurance policy. Uh, and they can potentially get rewarded outside financial service providers. So we're creating some affiliate uh, programs where, whereby you don't even get rewarded only for your financial products, you can get rewarded for other uh, business providers that want to use their data. So one of the business providers, uh, you know, just to give you an idea, could be uh, Starbucks, they want to reward their users for um, you know, engaging in a healthy lifestyle. Maybe Starbucks is a bad example, actually we say chopped Chopped it would be one that fits, <laughs> fits a bit more. So let's say chopped for you know wants to reward, reward users for you know being healthy, so they can tie themselves to Wisavi as a good brand and get data of the users that actually have positive healthy behaviors already. 
Right. Well, here's this, it's a phenomenal idea and it's, it's great to see such an innovative company come out of Dublin. We, we kind of, we more associate these companies with sort of San Francisco and the Silicon Valley culture. So I'm, I'm, I love seeing a company like this come out of Dublin and uh, I wish you nothing but success in the future. And thanks a million for coming on and joining us on the Double Irish podcast. Oh, thanks, Michael. Thanks for having us. Uh, you know, I think there's great ideas, the great companies out of Dublin. I think is the more I, I'm going to follow your podcast, and I'm going to hear more uh, brilliant companies, well, the, uh, brilliant ideas, and uh, people like you. Uh, that's what we need in the community to share these stories and to showcase, showcase the audience that there are great companies coming out of Dublin, and we could actually be a uh, future insurtech hub, fintech hub, whatever we want to call it, but a financial hub uh, that inspires others. Perfect. Thanks a million, Jesus. Welcome. The Isaac Digest, a weekly review of the Irish stock market. It was a turbulent week for Paddy Power Betfair, with its share price dropping nearly 5%. It was a tough start for new CEO Peter Jackson, as Morgan Stanley advised that the company faces strategic issues, mainly owing to pending changes in Australian gambling regulation. Another headache for Jackson was the news on Wednesday that Cormac Barry, head of the group's Australian division, left the gambling giant to become CEO of Car Trawler. Oil and gas company Aminex fell 2.6% on Monday as it informed investors of a pending new rig contract that is expected to set up new drilling in Tanzania. While in financials, rising bond yields resulted in a rise for stocks across Europe. Domestically, we saw Bank of Ireland and Permanent TSP benefit from this with a 2.7 and 4.4% increase respectively over the week. AIB saw a much more modest 0.2% increase. And finally, Ryanair traded up during the week on the back of strong performance for the industry generally, as the airline continues its recovery from the pilot fiasco of late last year. That was your Isaac Digest for the week ending January 12, 2018. Double Irish with Mixmip Podcast. Subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud and follow the Twitter handle at Double Irish MS.